From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Tackling Uveitic CME, Part 1. You're directing the needle back and and around uh, as if you were trying to visualize depositing that steroid at the macula. First this. As seen from here reaches ophthalmologists in 98 countries, transfers more than half a terabit of podcasts every month, but the potential audience is much larger. Please tell your colleagues about this free resource, Flattening the Ophthalmic World. And while you're at it, let your residents and fellows know about Open Ophthalmology, a free basic science video podcast, already a force in ophthalmic education with 1,800 viewers watching 6,000 video lectures every month. Information wants to be free. Help me give it away. Uveitic CME is not so much an acute problem as a serious chronic structural pathology, the progress of which can be halted if early and aggressive therapy is instituted. Jennifer Thorne is an expert in the management of uveitic CME, and I'm lucky to have her as my guest today. Our conversation is divided into two parts. We'll hear part one of my interview with Jen Thorne today. Jen, how important is CME as an etiology of poor visual acuity in in the context of uveitis? It's very important. CME is one of the most common structural ocular complications in uveitis. Uh, And uh, in the majority of uh, reports is deleting or one of the top leading causes of visual loss. Um, Some of the the visual loss, of course, is reversible, uh, but the possibility of permanent vision loss exists if the uh, macular edema is allowed to continue uh, chronically. Uh, There can be photoreceptor damage uh, and permanent loss of vision. Uh, and because this is central vision often, it can be particularly devastating uh, with you, with, if you take into account also that uveitis tends to affect uh, a large majority of people that are, are young, children even, and working class age. Uh, the relative effect on, on a person's quality of life or um, productivity can be quite large. Jen, is CME a concern primarily in, in intermediate and posterior and, and, and pan-uveitis or, or in anterior uveitis as, as well? It can certainly be a concern in anterior uveitis, although patients with milder forms of anterior uveitis often will not get macular edema. Um, macular edema is probably the most common ocular complication in intermediate uveitis. Uh, but it is a significant complication in other forms of uveitis as well. And what are the established treatments for uveitic CMA? Uh, there are a variety of treatments that have had uh, have been reported to be effective in the treatment of CME uh, complicating uveitis. Uh, you know, the word established is sometimes tricky. I don't think that there is necessarily a quote-unquote standard of care, uh, though there are 
popular treatments, uh, but there's a large variety, and they can include local therapy, such as uh, topical corticosteroids and NSAIDs, uh, periocular, intraocular um, corticosteroids. There can be systemic therapy, such as prednisone, immunosuppressive drugs, even carbonic anhydrase inhibitors. Uh, there can be uh, IV therapy, somatostatin. Uh, there is a, even uh, a, a body of literature for surgical therapy, such as um, pars plana vitrectomy. What question did your study seek to answer? Well, we have a fairly extensive database of, of patients with uveitis, and initially what we wanted to do was look at our outcomes with periocular corticosteroid injections. And as we were collecting those data, uh, a, a fair number of the patients were being, in fact, treated for CME. And so what we decided to do um, with the initial data set is to look at our outcomes of treatment with periocular corticosteroids and the treatment of macular edema. Can I get you to describe the, the design of the study? Uh, this is a, is a chart review study, so it's retrospective. Um, it is, uh, as, as best as we can ascertain, consecutive patients with uveitis that received at least one periocular injection uh, for the treatment of macular edema that had uh, at least one follow-up visit. Can you describe your technique for a periocular steroid injection? Sure. Uh, the technique that I employ uh, and that is employed primarily in our clinic is the one that was uh, reported by Nozick and colleagues. It's, a sub, uh, it's the posterior subtenons approach. There are people that will give a similar type of injection through the orbital floor, but I tend to use the posterior subtenons approach unless I'm giving a lot of injections and I'm worried about upper lid ptosis. So you're, you're basically numbing the eye with preparacaine. You soak uh, preparacaine into uh, Q-tips and you can apply that directly to the area that you're going to address with um, a 25-gauge needle, basically. Um, and that's sort of in the superior temporal quadrant of the affected eye. Um, and after you've kind of confirmed that the area is well numbed, uh, you draw up um, typically one cc of kenalog or triamcinolone acetonide. Uh, one cc is uh, effectively 40 milligrams. Uh, you dollar that up into a TB syringe with a 25-gauge needle, and you address the eye with the bevel down. Uh, you can kind of lightly, gently tap on the area that you're going to inject to kind of confirm that the area is numb. Uh, and then you enter the subtenon space, uh, and you're directing the needle uh, back and, and around uh, as if you were trying to visualize depositing that steroid at the macula. Um, it's helpful to have the patient look down and in and you hold the lip, lid up so that you can kind of maximally access the area. Uh, it's important as you're tracking the needle back to sort of sweep it side to side because if the needle sweeps side to side under the conjunctival free, freely, you know you're in that subtenon space. If when you sweep side to side the globe moves with the needle, 
you know that you've engaged sclera and you're running the risk of injecting into the sclera or into the subretinal space and you want to withdraw. And once you've kind of got the the needle uh, posteriorly so that the hub is basically abutting the the lid, you withdraw slightly to make sure that you're not in any kind of blood vessel and then slowly uh, inject the uh, cc of fluid. And typically that will, um, you're, you're, you're attempting to not allow it to track anteriorly, uh, so you want to go slow and make sure that you're kind of uh, posterior enough to, to get that done. Uh, and once you have withdrawn the needle, then typically what we do is we'll check with an indirect uh, to make sure that there is, in fact, no breach of sclera, no blood, no um, steroid deposited uh, in the subretinal space. Uh, occasionally we'll give a little, you know, we'll probably have a little low-dose Tylenol and an ice pack for just for comfort measures uh, for the most part. But patients, by and large, if you've numbed them appropriately, tolerate it very well. And if you warn them for uh, about the sensation of pressure, and but for the most part, other other than that, for the most part, the the procedure is well tolerated. And um, I may have said before, you give them maybe a little Tylenol and a little um, ice. Uh, just as a precautionary measure. And then we typically bring a patient back in a month to make sure that the, um, hopefully that the macular edema is resolving, but also to make sure that there isn't a pressure rise. Jen, what were your main outcome measures for this study? Uh, for this study, we were looking at uh, the, the presence or absence of CME uh, at the one-month and the three-month visits after uh, periocular injection. Uh, we were looking at what the cumulative incidence of success was at those two time points. And then we also looked at um, improvement of visual acuity uh, and development of side effects. Uh, and finally, we also uh, tried to determine um, failure of therapy, which we defined as um, persistence of CME after a series of three periocular steroid injections uh, set one month apart. And what were your findings? What were your results? Well, we we I thought we're, our findings were in general fairly uh, encouraging. Um, although um, it has to be noted, there isn't a lot of data out there to compare it to because uh, a lot of the uh, previous data is retrospective, and of course, outcomes are are chosen differently. Uh, and and um, statistical te- techniques are done differently. But we found that on the order of 53% of eyes that received one periocular corticosteroid injection had clinical re- resolution of CME at the one-month visit, and 50 57% of eyes had it by the three-month visit. And how often was one injection sufficient to achieve the, the therapeutic goal? That, that was it, about 53% of cases. Actually, 57 at three months, I would say. So in other words, the, the, the eyes in that analysis were, were eyes that were only given a single injection within a three-month period of time. For the patients who achieved uh, uh, and the, the, the outcome goal that, that you wanted, uh, how quickly did the CME resolve after the injection? 
You know, that's an interesting question because we can't really give a great answer to that because our our practice pattern was to evaluate the patients within one month. Now, granted, there were a few that came a little earlier than one month, a little later, um, but we don't have week-by-week or day-by-day assessment of the patients, so we can't really tell you how quickly the resolution occurred within that one-month period of time because the patients just weren't there um, to be examined. There are some cases in the data set that suggest a resolution within two to three weeks, uh, but it's really difficult to make any sense of that because you're not looking at everybody else. So you don't really know what percentage those people represent. We'll end today's podcast here and pick up at this point next time. Jennifer Thorne is Chief of the Division of Ocular Immunology and Associate Professor of Ophthalmology and Epidemiology at the Wilmer Eye Institute at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. Her paper, Periocular Triamcinolone Acetonide Injections for Cystoid Macular Edema Complicated Non-Infectious Uveitis, appears in the September 2011 issue of the American Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Thorne or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jungmd at gmail.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.